Welcome to the Origins of the Hunt podcast, where we bring like-minded individuals together, share stories, strategies, and discuss everything outdoors. Thanks for tuning in, and remember, never stop learning. Welcome back, guys, to another episode of Origins of the Hunt podcast. Excited to announce that we are now on Apple Podcast and iHeartRadio podcast. So that's uh, in addition to Spotify. We're going to be uh, branching out to a few more here, hopefully in the future. So uh, don't forget to stop and give a rating and a follow on on uh, on those platforms as well. So uh, this week we are going to be talking to Derek Bradis. Derek's involved with uh, with Latitude Outdoors. So uh, Derek, with that being said, we'll just let you go ahead and take it away and go ahead and introduce yourself. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. Um, my, yeah, my name is Derek Bradis. Um, I the media specialist for Latitude Outdoors. Uh, I'm living here in uh, Central Ohio. I'm originally from Eastern Pennsylvania. That's where I got my start and fell in love with hunting, um, just like a lot of guys did. My uh, my grandfather got me into at a young age, going to upstate Pennsylvania, doing the deer camps and doing that whole thing. And I, I still do that every year. Um, but as he got a little older, um, he couldn't really go up anymore. So I, I, try, I wanted to keep hunting. Um, I, none of my friends hunted where I was from. I was right outside of Philadelphia. But I did find a group of guys that I knew from other friends. And we kind of connected. And uh, they kind of pushed me into bow hunting. So I started bow hunting um, later in life. I've gun hunted my whole life, but I started bow hunting. When I was like 18, 19. And uh, by some luck, I shot a buck my first year bow hunting and nothing crazy, but it was a nice little eight pointer upstate PA. And I was like, oh man, this is easy. And then yeah. shot one two years in a row after that. I was like, this is really easy. And then I've been on a dry spell for like four years. So I did the same exact thing. I my first time I ever went out with a bow, I missed a buck. Yeah, and he was actually for Pennsylvania. He was a very respectable 120 inch buck. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, and then the second time I was out, I shot a, a my buck on the ground at like eight steps. Oh man, hell yeah! And that, I mean, I, like that, I was the same way. I'm like, oh, this this is easy. <laughs> and then you know, I went a few years. I don't think I killed anything. And then I think I'm like four or five now. Out of the last four to five years, I've killed killed a buck so good for you yeah i mean last year i kind of shot myself in the foot i I started a new job like november 1st (laughs) during the rate in the prime season and i was kind of in the middle of a bunch of stuff during hunting and i i knew i wasn't going to get to hunt but i tried i tried to make it work i just i didn't and i wasn't going to settle for you know i mean i passed a couple legal buck because i started thinking like did you ever hunt Pennsylvania like growing up when they had point restrictions at all? I grew up before I started hunting. There was no point restrictions. Okay. Uh, and then I, and then the point restrictions came in where I hunt. It's three on one side. Yeah. I know where you are. I think it's three up. Yeah. That's so it's three up, including the brow, not including the brow time. Where I grew up hunting, it's just three on one side, including the brow time. Okay. So, a little diff pa is weird how they they separate that. it is i mean i started wondering i'm like i never have the, i don't even have a chance to like pass no deer because if i see a, a legal buck it's going to be a decent deer you know what i mean in pennsylvania at least yeah i, I i'm pr- like i'm really pro the junior shooting them i wish i got to shoot a buck as a junior 
Uh, so I used to go up to deer camp and we used to do a buck pool. Uh, everyone puts 20 bucks in for the biggest buck and everyone puts 10 bucks in for the biggest um, or for the smallest buck. Right. So it's kind of cool. We had 25 guys at camp. So when spikes were legal, so everyone's trying to shoot the little, little spikes, but that was trophies back then. And these guys, you get off one week a year to go hunting. So it, he, he, you going to tell them they can't shoot something, but right. Yeah. That's I think they need to bring the seniors into it. Um, I, that would probably get my grandpa out of the house and go hunting. He's not going to go. He's 70 years old. He's, he has all blood thinners. He can't go out and sit in the cold looking for a, a, a six pointer at least, you know, right. Oh, I, I I completely agree. I mean, I think that juniors and and seniors should be able to almost go back to the brown is down. I mean, yeah. Because I know the there's a property that I hunt. I have a guy. I see him out there every year, and he hasn't. I've been hunting that same property for I think it's 17 years. He's yeah. never shot the gun. He's shot his gun once. And the landowner that I've, I talked to, he's like he's kind of came with the property i guess yeah. he's, like, he's been hunting here for years he's like he's only yeah. owned one deer since i've owned the property wow and, and because he's probably had so many opportunities well he he's at the age now like, i put little like nudges on walk the creek bottom you know just and i've i've, I've seen the tracks <laughs> 30 yards in front of him in the snow and he yeah. oh i didn't see him i never never saw and i'm like how is that guy supposed to count points yeah, right. Even if it's standing there, just you know what I mean. I mean even us too. I mean, like it's oh. been hard for me. I shot a six pointer. Um, the last buck I killed, actually, my rifle. Um, last buck I killed in general it was two years ago. Um, PA rifle season up in uh, Tioga County. Um, we had open. We, we hunt this field, and we have four guys hunting the field. It's it's a huge field. And it's on a hill, so we're all spread out. I can't really see see the orange blob, and this buck first light just cut in between the field in the morning slow walking and no one's shooting because he's just big two wides and he has to have the brow time yep. we're running but everyone's just trying to put that brow time on. <laughs> make him grow on so we see him the first day and no one shot and i was upset my buddies never shot a buck before and i put him in a good spot this deer walked right underneath them couldn't shoot so fast forward seven days later into that um into that that week well that opening day, it was snowing, so you could barely see anyways. That's what I was talking about. So it's hard for us to see sometimes if uh -huh. it's barely there. The last day of the hunt, um, a buddy of mine was on the far side of the field with his his son, who's a junior, and I had a spike in front of me the whole time, and it was like 20 minutes, 30 minutes left to light. And I, so I was like, you know what? I'm going to get out and try to push this spike over to the kid. So I get out and walk, and the spike takes off, and I look to my left, and there's that buck from – opening day but he's staring at me like right at me so i put my binoculars up and i see one little brow tine it's like an inch and a half long and i'm like no one could see that opening day <laughs> yep. so i smoked him and i was like here we go everyone's go. Like, that's the buck from opening day i was like yeah you had to look straight on at him to see that brow tine he grew he grew a brow tine in the past <laughs> week <laughs> it was like the way he was coming he split the middle of the field so he was 150 yards from everybody the way he walked in the middle so no one could see that brow time the way it was snowing and everything like that so it was tough to see so no one shot obviously but that last day it was clear it was head on at me so i seen the rack and i seen the little brow time and i was able to get a shot off but that's a talk about the other restrictions it's kind of it's scary sometimes because you get those guys like me obviously i'm passing deer but you get guys that go up there um and they just want to you know they just want to fill their tag yep. and, you know, it's really sometimes you get those really big, wide bucks. Yeah. You know, many people make mistakes and 
a lot of people do the right thing and uh, some turn people unfortunately don't uh, you know what i mean yeah I, but that's what I you actually, can avoid that you know yeah they in I don't. I we run into the situation. I came to just like that for a couple of years ago. There's this a, a huge six point, yeah. but he didn't have brow times, and yeah. it's a genetic. Uh, it's a genetic in this property that yeah. you it, used to be. They only had one brow time, so we yeah, were getting yeah. seven points like crazy year after year after year, yeah, and yeah. and then it, it like it changed. And there was like six points, and luckily they were getting. Once they got older, they were growing. You know, they were getting legal. Until they were over three and a half years old, they weren't legal. Yeah. So, I mean, you see a freaking two and a half, three and a half year old six point. That's a, a, the frame of that deer coming through the woods. Oh, you're, yeah. you're grabbing your bow, rifle, whatever you're hunting. You're going to think immediately. And like you said, people make mistakes. Yeah. There are a lot of people that I don't know how Ohio is, but I know a lot of people that not a lot, but I know a couple of guys who have made mistakes or have been in camp with people, you know, made made a mistake. And the Pennsylvania Game Commission's always been very helpful and appreciative of. They are, yeah, they, yeah, of just doing the right thing. And you know, they 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 told the one guy, he said, "Hey, I appreciate you calling, but it's gonna be like a couple hours before we can get there." And the yeah. guy's like, "Well, I want to keep hunting," and he was kind of, you know, "Well, do what you got to do." But he's like, "We have honestly, it's pretty much strong. We have bigger things going on right now." He's like, I do appreciate it. He's like, when they touched base and he gave him, you know, he he got his tag back and or he got his, he, I think they they took the deer and he, he got his tag back. I think they donate them to like yeah. The yeah, and like that's what's so weird too about the. I mean, I actually I'm for the law, I guess, just because of the the last five years, deer and PA have been getting significantly bit bigger, especially up where we hunt. So mm -hmm. I am for it, but then you look at states like Ohio, we don't have antler restrictions at right. all. Yeah. You can come out here and shoot a spike next year anytime, but there's giants here. So it's like, yeah. I don't know if it's the the people or yeah. the disciplined people, but I think people in PA are very disciplined now. I just think those years and years of those deer drives and my ancestors and probably your ancestors yep. just shooting everything. I don't know if it messed with the genetics or what. I don't know, but. Um, the antler restriction is definitely helping. I and think. definitely the Amish. I talk about all the time. Like, growing oh, yeah. up, I can just remember. I mean, that, that was like the number one thing you you, you feared. You you know, you would see the, the buggies parked anywhere. You knew not to hunt it or even fish it for that matter. Yeah. We have a couple of game lands that have a pretty good, did have pretty good ponds that were stocked. And most people took advantage of it for, you know, inner, you know, enjoyment, you know, just for a Saturday morning, afternoon, yeah. they take a little canoe out with the kids and catch some fish. But it seemed like the Amish would just go and they <laughs> wipe them out. I mean, it happened to my buddies. They had a strip mine too. And we don't know who it was. We assumed who it was, yeah. but we had, we had that place stocked for years. Yeah. And it was a kid that I had on in my, in my pat in the past podcast. He, uh, we actually the three of us we've stalked it over you know all through high school and and after that and it just over like two years it just everything disappeared yep like the bass kind of stayed but we had crappy like all the all the eater fish were, were gone the crappy yeah. were gone and i don't know it, it seems like you, you're gonna run into bad people everywhere we don't so upstate where we hunt we don't have like an honest problem for hunting uh we have an honest problem it's not even a problem because if you got it spend it um, they buy all the land now in the last five years. So we had a lot of the uh, handshake leases up in PA with old time owners because 
people who've been going to my camp, they've been going out there for 60 years. So right. it's like old time passed down the sun gives us permission because of the old man, you know, that whole deal. But then the Amish are coming in and just offering these guys more money than they could say no to. And then boom, they the, yeah. that lose. So where I shot my first buck when I was 19, uh, that was our little piece of heaven. It was like a 60 acre spot. We called the pines. We had permission. Uh, went up there two years ago up to rifle camp and there's six box blinds on that 50 acres <laughs> and a new ball barn because the Amish bought it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I have not made it out further than like Brookville area. Okay. To really hunt, I guess that's where the area I shot my, my first buck. Yep. It, was, it was a spike. Like I'm seeing, I'm seeing people, like I talked to guys and they're like, oh yeah, my first buck, it wasn't anything big or anything. You show me like a, a six point. I'm like, no, mine was like 20 inches. Like I was, my dad had me tricked the entire time thinking it was a, a, a monster because we yeah. were making a rub. Yeah. He, yeah. Like, he was steady behind the front shoulder and, and, <laughs> and I shot and he was, he was kneeling behind me and he said, he's like, I wish I would have had a record, you know, been recording then because he's like the barrel was doing figure eights. He's yeah. looking to hurt my shoulder. That's ultra ground shrinkage there. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was still excited about it. Oh, man, you have to be. That's one thing I've never done. I probably never will do. And shoot a spike. I've always wanted to. Yeah. <laughs> I think they're there, so cool. <laughs> there is a guy I was talking to. He, His dad, uh, they're the Backcountry PA podcast guys. Yeah. Uh, Ethan from there. His dad, him and his dad have a, like a little competition going on. Who can shoot? Like His dad shot like everything up to like a seven point. Because he grew up when there was no restrictions yeah. and so ethan has to go to new york is the closest he said you know to shoot all these deer but his yeah. dad has like a his said his his spike was a his one point spike i think it was or something like that was a 13 inch or something it was <laughs> insane like for a spike he said he's like i can't even i'm never even going to be able to top a spike yeah no but, That's so what, what, what you working with latitude are you are you you know primarily mobile hunting now or, or have you always mobile hunted or is it something you just recently got into? So I, I'll back it up a little bit and tell you how I got linked up with them because that kind of plays into it. So um, like I said, I was hunting in PA for uh, Southeast Pennsylvania on a little 30 acre permission piece. And just because I, I hunted the public with my grandfather locally down there for years, it just got pretty run down with, a uh, bunch of guys from the city. It's just small pieces. It can't hold the people that these big pieces around here out Western PA can hold. So it kind of gets run down. Uh, so that little 30 acres was great. It was just me and a buddy. And I shot two deer there. And and that was just, it just was every year was the same size deer. Every year. We did everything we could through the summer and the, you know, food plots, everything. And it just, it, the genetics weren't there so we were kind of just getting not bored but it's like you can't shoot what you don't have right you know? so i wanted to shoot a bigger deer i didn't want to keep shooting 115 inch eight pointers so you know right. like it's what it was so i was like you know let's go to ohio you know i went out there gun hunting years ago uh for a weekend with a buddy of a couple buddies of mine so i thought it was cool i know there's big deer out there let's go hunt some public uh so we went out there late october and uh we were kind of, you know, putting around with tree stands and it sucked really bad. It was really heavy. That was the first time I've ever mobile hunted, if you want to call it that, um, running around public. Uh, didn't shoot, didn't really see much, didn't really shoot much. And then 
actually the last day I was there, I did get a shot on a, a really nice buck, probably the biggest buck I ever shot. Um, tracked him for miles, never found him. I was hooked though. I was like, okay, all right, I gotta, I gotta come back here, figure something out. And then how I got hooked up with Latitude was I was so while I was doing that with him, we had a YouTube channel and uh, since social media, Instagram, it's still there. Uh, Full draw assassins. Um, I was, I started that 2019 with the, my buddy Kenny, I went out to Ohio with, and uh, I remember I was watching a video online about saddle hunting. Cause I, I was like, I, if we're going to go back here, I can't carry this stand anymore. I just can't do it. It killed me because it's hill country. It's yeah. brutal. I don't know if I just didn't have the right stand or not. I don't know. I bought what I thought was the best and it was just heavy. So I was like, I can't do this. And then saddle hunting scared the hell out of me just from hearing people talk about it. Uh, but then I actually got a call from Alex, who's one of the three owners of Latitude Outdoors, and he followed along Full Draw Assassins. And he actually spent an hour and a half on the phone. Uh, this is probably a year and a half ago. Um, and he just answered every question I had about saddle hunting and, like, he even offered to send me his saddle to like try out before I use their stuff. That's so awesome. I was like, I was like, no, no, you don't have to do it because it was a springtime. Right. We ended up getting the saddles. Um, I tried it out without really watching any videos and I was not intimidated anymore. I just watched all the videos before that and I was just so many ropes and there's not, you know, you said yeah. yep. there's not, but if you don't, if you're an outsider looking in, you know, it's kind it of is intimidating. Yeah. And then you actually get the stuff and you get, get at the base of a tree. You're like, Oh, this, okay. This is a lot. Right. So we, uh, the, sh the show I had was, we were kind of working with latitude for a little while. Um, and then two years ago, ATA show, um, me and Al talked all the time. So he asked me if I wanted to go to ATA with those guys and help out run their work, their booth with them, uh, work the booth with them. And then there was another guy there named, Corey Godar, who is now our marketing, he's our marketing director. He wasn't at the time. He was, he had a show called Hunting Junkies. Okay. Yeah, I, I've actually, I think I've seen that. I remember hearing that name before. Yeah, he's, he's very talented. Um, they, they did some really good stuff in Cincinnati, a um, bunch of urban bucks and also bucks on public and turkey hunting and stuff like that. Um, so me and him started talking and we hit it off. We never met before. Uh, we just kept talking. We're like, dude, we got to like work together some shape or form, like filming. Um, cause we both had that, that passion for being behind a camera also with hunting. So that we went our separate ways. ATA show was over, went home, started doing the back on the horse for full draw assassins. He did his thing. I did my thing. And then I found out that he got a job as the marketing director at latitude outdoors. So I called him, congratulated him. Um, everything like that. And then Alex was looking for latitude was looking for a media guy um, to handle all their, their media and the photography and filming their hunts. Cause uh, we got, we got a show that's coming out this year. We can get into that. Um, so I got off of that. Job. So now full picture, me and Corey are like pretty much like best friends at this point. And uh, now we work together at Latitude Outdoors. He's the marketing director. He asks things for me, content-wise, and we keep feeding the beast, keep feeding them, and he pushes it out. So it, it's just funny how things go full circle like that. You never know who you're going to meet and how they're going to impact you in the future. But 
yeah, that's how I got hooked up lad through that. So I got uh got the job with them and everything's going really well, man. I can't uh it's just crazy how things kind of progress through life without even uh thinking about it, you know. Yeah, and you know, it's just it's when you least expect it sometimes, you know. And you know, who you least expect it from, somebody you sometimes you know forever. Yeah. Sometimes you just meet them for yeah. the first time and you know, at a trade show or something, and that's your that's your it, and that's your connection. I mean, it, it, that is what that's what it comes down to. And this, I think, I feel like in this industry, it is yeah. it, it, it's, and I honestly, I think it's just pretty much how the world works. Is it's who you know anymore? Yeah, it's it's not even like it is who you know. I I agree with you hundred um, percent. That's why it's like you just got to be a humble dude to every single person you come across because you do not know. It, it, this is in life, not just hunting. I, I preach this all the time. Like that guy you meet at the gas station, you know, he could be your boss one day. Yeah. Never know. You know, just be a nice, decent human being and good things will happen to you regardless of who you know. Um, but it definitely helps uh, meeting the right people at the right time for sure. Right. Yeah. I mean, if you just find those people you mesh well with, I mean, it seems like that's where you come into the 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 people to build those long term relationships that that work together. I mean, you've been with Latitude now for a few a couple of years now, so I mean, obviously you have a relationship that yeah. isn't just a, a a pro staff or or something like that. You know, where oh they're offering 150 people discounts a year. You know, it's a you know what I mean it's it's a personal thing, and it seems like it's uh you don't want to say it's a family because that's what everybody says, but it seems like everybody's on the same picture, on the same page, and all on the same set, you know, on the, have the same end goal. And yeah. It's cool because before I started working there, we were friends. Like we yeah. were all friends before. So it, I mean, it like it's cliche, but it is kind of a little family. It's, right. Yeah. That's what I mean. And it's, it's cool to kind of sit back now and cause latitude's at the point where you guys can sit back and be like, we, I mean, you, you made it, you know, you're, you're working with your friends, you're, you're doing, you're all doing something you love together yeah. and, working with a great company i've only heard great things about so far i mean it's one of those companies we talked before recording i i, I have a feeling once i get if i get my hands on something you know, i'll probably go full full latitude i guess you know i just i like i like the 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 two panel the method isn't it the method yeah the method too yeah, yeah. Method too yeah i that's one i've, I've been looking at but you guys you guys just came out with some sticks is yes. there any uh, any platforms or anything in the future? Well, we have two platforms now. We have the X-Wing and the Rebel platform. Okay. And they come in at two and a half pounds. Okay. And then the sticks, so the sticks are brand new. And they were, you said 19 ounces? 19 ounces, yeah. They're on for pre-order right now. I saw those. I wish I would have made it to the, the, the Harrisburg show because that was definitely something I was going directly to to look at those sticks, and then yeah. I knew I would have been roped in, and <laughs> and I would have like came home with a little bit bigger of a receipt than I would, I should have. But yeah, I'm sure it will happen, you know, at some point. Because I, I think I have tried almost every, almost every you know saddle company out there for the mm -hmm. most part, and it's just one of those things I've I've always pieced everything together. Like I've just never want all one thing, but. The more I look at the latitude stuff and and read reviews and hear reviews and see people using it, it just seems like one of those things that the whole system it just works perfect. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm 
I'm very, I love my set. I love my saddle. I'm very comfortable in it. I mean, the reason I got into, the reason I was so drawn to saddle hunting in general wasn't even for hunting. It was for filming actually, because what I was doing with my guys uh, for full draw assassins, we, we always had camera guys. We didn't really sell film a lot. Um, so instead of hanging double sets, we really used, utilize the saddles to film. So that's really how I got really comfortable in my saddle right. and getting, getting used to it and stuff like that. And that's saddle hunting is a huge benefit in filming other than just hunting. Hunting, it's great too, but um, I really utilize it for filming. I know a bunch of guys who film out of it now that haven't and they're getting it for filming. Um, so it's definitely another tool in the toolbox. Exactly. And that's, that's where I, that's the only reason I got into it was because it was another tool. And I, I will continue to saddle hunt, but with a little one, it, my time is, it always is going to, it gets limited. Yep. So, you know, work gets busy, life gets busy. I still like my pre, my pre hungs in my, yeah. you know, in spots. And I found myself in, I was lucky. I tagged out early enough last year that I didn't run into a problem. But the year before I, I said, you know, earlier that I'd, I shot myself in the foot with the season. I, I just didn't have the time to hunt. And I really shot myself when I was, I was almost 90% saddle hunting. Yeah. So, I mean, I was really, <laughs> really, it really hurt because I was like, man, I, I wasn't hunting as much as I, I thought I could. Yeah. But, so how much time does the guy behind the lens actually get to hunt? Um, well, for me, uh, this year, there's two reasons why I really didn't get in the woods that much. Uh, one was EHD was pretty bad in Ohio this year. So the limited time that I did have, I didn't have a deer to chase. So I spent that time when I was home in between trips, spending time with my wife and being home. I wasn't just going to go sit out in the woods when I know I have cameras running on the two pieces that I hunt and a couple pieces on public. And there was just nothing. Uh, EHD was really bad. Just like, you were talking we were talking earlier about me filming with jake bush i mean the same problem happened with him ehd like destroyed his his hopes at the beginning of the season and he kind of fought through that all year um so that's that's the main reason i haven't this year um but next year we got we've got a little plan down where i'm just going to really focus on early season because the earlier i can get something done the more i can be freed up yeah definitely if if you want to hunt early season i think hunting with jake is is yeah. probably a uh a, a very good start to to get yeah. get in on an early season deer yeah. yeah i saw his it was a heartbreak i was watching his story the last day of season that that buck came through that sheds shed his antlers already i mean like you said he dealt with ehd and then the the, the fight to just find you know a deer a quality that he considered a quality deer he wanted to chase and then yeah. just to have him walk down the trail with that was, so, I was hunting with him in that spot two days before that, and we found that deer's bed, and we hung trail cameras there because um, the wind was bad. We ended up not hunting because we bumped him out of his bed, so we just hung a camera, backed out, and then I had to leave for Harrisburg the next day, and then he went in, and then I got that text, I was, and he's like, he's like, dude, he came in at 15 yards, and I was, but he didn't have his horns on him, and <laughs> it's kind of just i mean he's such a cool dude he has such a good like he's good morales about it he's it's like what can you do you know yeah. kind of laugh at it because in, in all what can you do no it's just, <laughs> some people get mad i mean i've I've gotten mad hunting plenty of times but 
if you look at it like that, like, you know, in the big picture, what the hell can you really do? Yeah, because that whole season was nothing Nothing that bad that happened was his fault. So right. he didn't do anything to purposely ruin his hunts. It was just bad circumstances. And he's not the only one. I mean, Ohio has been – it has been pretty brutal this year, uh, down in this area um, at least. And it's just – the deer just – they're either dead. Uh, they shed real early. Uh, the weather was really weird out here this year. So, Did yeah. you guys have a very good acorn drop where you're at? Oh. Yeah, see, mine, it wasn't that. It was, they just, they were there, but they weren't, mm-hmm. they weren't there. You know what I mean? Like, they, the deer weren't there because they were, they were dropping at different times and they weren't, they weren't, the red oaks weren't big and the white oaks just seemed like they just held, I yeah. guess, too long. And then they, they just, yeah, I didn't know. I mean, because you're not too, too far away. I, I try to pick, brain just to see if it was my region you know yeah because we, we don't really have i didn't i've never really ran into ehd around here i mean occasionally you'll run into the dead deer you know that you you know you get your suspicions of but we never we never had what you consider an outbreak yeah we here. had some farmers that were finding 100 dead deer Gee, yeah i see nothing like still in their plots so uh, i mean i don't I don't hunt deer over bait, but I'll put bait out for inventory in Ohio at, on my private pieces. And I wasn't even having anything I would shoot on there, even not bait, even at night. I had maybe two shooters run through random ass days, like December, like not yeah. enough to go out and chase. Cause I'd never seen him again. Obviously it was just random, but other than that, dude, it was, it was bad. So yeah, back to your question. Why, how much do you get to hunt? Uh, this year is just, it was my first year full, time filming and going on a full-time tour uh like that so it's just a bad year to use that as an example because i don't know what that's going to do for next year when the population gets a little better right are you uh so i guess even you've been you've been pretty much a cameraman you know i get for for the most part yeah so are you are you i guess i should ask are you using like when you're out filming are you kind of scouting for your own hunts too? You know, are you hunting the same areas? Or are you just kind of those are their guys' area? You know, or oh, we hit we hit about six states this year. Okay, uh, latitudes based out of Michigan. Okay, so they're out of Michigan. We hit about I think six states. I start to forget where where I'm where at. You're at. <laughs> um, but no, I mean I, I I'm scouting with them because we're filming and right. scouting. And, I mean, any they I mean when they if they ever come to ohio i mean they'll tell me like hey any if if any pins you want or anything just give us a call you know we'll send them to you so it's it's a team it's for sure a team and that's what's cool about filming i mean we're hunting together um essentially because we're all hunters you know even me and other camera guys that we uh we had helping us this year and so it's you get to bounce ideas off each other. It's pretty neat to have that because these guys have never had camera guys follow them around before. Right. That's what I was kind of wondering because I'm I've never had a camera guy in the woods with me, you know, in the woods with me, and I've never been the camera guy for someone. So I didn't know like, you know, when when they're going in, say you're filming me, say say I'm filming you, you know, yeah. would I would I have the time to actually be scouting and looking around, or am I am I more focused on on you like you know i because like i said i've never been in that situation so how much are you what are you focusing say say are you mainly focusing on jake 
filming him or are you kind of doing your own thing at, at, at some points? Um, I'm whoever I'm hunting with that, that trip or that week or that day, uh, everything's focused on them. Uh, right. that's just how I operate. Um, I don't want to miss anything because my, my creative mind is always, always just going. And I'm always thinking of when I'm out filming, I'm really not even worried about filming there. I'm worried about getting home and putting on my computer and how I'm going to put this together. And so, how yeah. Are you, are good. you like, are you, I'm, I'm assuming you you've done it long enough. You kind of already envision what you want to, the, 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 the final product to, to look like. Yeah. So when I go, when I go out, I have a checklist in my head that I run down of just, just those guaranteed shots that I'm getting, you know, the, like the interviews, the, the basic stuff that you guys, that everyone sees. Um, and then that's when the creative mind comes in. I just start thinking like, okay, I have, I already have this We're day three into a hunt. No one shot nothing yet. Right. Um, okay. How, how is this going to piece? How is this going to lay out when I go to put this together? And then what am I missing that I didn't get yet? Okay. Let's get that today. And then that's how we kind of operate. That's all. Well, I tell the story. Yeah, because that's telling a story is the the best thing you could do for anyone who trusts you to go on a hunt with them and film. Because I mean, we're hunting all public land. Yeah, I mean, putting two guys in a tree is tough. Yeah, it is because these deer on public land are they're strong, they're smart, they've they've been shot at, they've seen people. So going by yourself is one thing, but having a second guy for access, setting up in a tree for scent, noise, all that stuff. And we got two, three cameras in the tree with him, the bow, backpacks. It's tough. It is really tough. So, uh, trying to get those shots, and but my whole job when I go into the woods is I don't want. I mean, obviously we talk and we go back and forth, but I don't want the hunter to even know I'm there. I want him to ignore me and do his thing. I don't want to get in his way. I don't want to slow him up. He wants to get 27 feet, 30 feet in the air. I'm going 30 feet in the air. Right. He wants to hunt the ground. He wants to hunt the ground. He wants to walk through a creek. My boots aren't waterproof. I'm getting soaked. Like that's how because yeah. I'm lucky enough to live this dream of mine of filming hunts. That's what yeah. I've wanted to do for years. Um, and be able to do that every day in the fall. It's uh it's I have unlimited tags. It, that's how I look at it. You know, we're on a trip, there's four guys, one guy fills the tag, I'm filming the guy that didn't film the tag. So I'm always hunting. Yeah. So it's it's really awesome. It's a win win. Yeah. And I mean always pacing I'm not, I'm not pulling the trigger, but I'm hitting the, I'm hitting the record button, and I'm getting to see all this. So it's pretty neat. Yeah, I like when you when you mentioned your creative mind. That picture you you accidentally took when you were like running, I think it was, to the creek the other day. Yeah, that was me trying to catch up to Jake Bush. <laughs> that was I like that. Yeah, when you said about your creative mind, that's something that just came to my mind. Cause a lot of people might look at that picture and be and just delete it because that's uh, just. You know, but you looked at it as completely different. Yeah, because I took that on. I didn't mean to take a picture. Right. My, my camera is hanging on my pack, and I'm running, and I'm holding it. And I, I went through my the stuff we got that day. And I was like, oh, that's pretty neat. And I, I slapped an edit on it. And I was like, oh, that looks cool. Let's post it. Because as a camera guy, let's face it, you don't have many pictures of yourself to post. So you got to find stuff every time. <laughs> <laughs> what? I was talking about your gear. What's a like? Give us a little bit of a gear dump. Like, what are you, what are you carrying into the woods if you're going out to film, and you know, Southern Ohio, middle fall. Where what's in your backpack? Um, I am running two mirrorless cameras, okay. so I'm running a Sony A7 III as my main camera uh, for the subject. 
uh, for the hunt, everything else. Um, then I got a secondary, which is it was this past fall it was a, a Sony A7 IV, but it's a, I got an RX5 that we're going to be running this year um, as our secondary angle. It's a, another Sony mirrorless. And then every now and then we'll throw a GoPro as a third angle. Um, and I like to do that as a fail safe because that actually it saved their ass um, in Nebraska. Um, Alex, I was filming heavy shot, an uh, absolute giant velvet buck on public uh, in early September. It was so dark. I didn't get my secondary um, settings um, set up because it got dark as the deer was coming in. I want to move. So we had that GoPro that got that second angle as a fail. Quality is not as good right. as the mirrorless, but you have that as a, as yeah. a fail safe. Um, but I'm running that. I run a fourth arrow camera arm. Um, and that's where it gets tricky because we're hunting public land, like I said. So we can't screw anything in the trees. So we do everything by the book. So we got to make adjustment with cam, cam buckle straps. So we're not using ratchet straps. Um, last thing, last thing I wanted, if I can get out of the woods, regardless if we kill something or not, and I didn't spook a deer because of something I did, I had a good day at work. Right. Yeah. <laughs> That's, I don't want to be the reason that that hunter didn't fill a tag or Alex, Kevin, Jake, the, uh, or the other Jake, um, didn't shoot a deer because of me. That's a, the worst nightmare I have. So I'm very careful. All the equipment I bring into the woods, I stealth strip everything. Everything's quiet. And we just... In the beginning, it was kind of a like a working process. Like they said, they never had a camera guy. So setting up two sets was kind of – it was different for them. It makes it easier with the saddles. We don't got the tree stands lug around. Mm -hmm. um, over the time, we started to work really good and get like a well-oiled machine. You know, he goes up, I go up, and it, you don't have to talk. You know what's going on. Right. But that's pretty much what I bring in the woods with me. Every, everything's right there. Um, yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's something I wish I would have had because I'm slowly getting into cell filming. And yeah. if I would have had – so when my buck this year came back in, he came in at like 12 yards and just looked right up at me. And yeah. I was hiding behind the tree with my bow in my hand, looking, watching him through the viewfinder. Yeah. And he just knew something wasn't right. So I think he saw my bag hanging. And he, he slowly backed away, but when he bound off, I just couldn't get the camera on him. It was getting, you know, it was last light. And for how big he was, I'm like, I got him in a, I had him in an opening, had my yeah. bow drawn. Like, I just, I'm not making any, this is, this is a hobby for me. So yeah. I'm not, I'm not taking, I'm not, I'm not, not taking this shot for it. So yeah, for if sure. I would have had a GoPro just running, yeah. I, I maybe would have gotten you know, some kind of footage of it. And I've talked to a lot of guys that say, just throw a GoPro up, just, a last resort if you don't get it because you'll be very surprised what it picks up like you said it's not as high quality as your you know your mirrorless but it's still something it's better than nothing because i mean i may never see another buck that big in pennsylvania okay. yeah. and i don't have any i have footage of him but i don't have the you know the shot yeah like, if he would have just i mean it's the whole what if you know if he would have yeah. just kept coming right down that trail he would like eight yards i think underneath me yeah and it, it would have fit the the script perfect but yeah. i mean hey all that matters is he's at the taxidermist and he's supposed to come yeah, around yeah. in, a couple, in a couple months so the whole point of this whole thing is isn't yeah. it the deer. It yeah but i used to film i used to use um i've rented that before so many times self-filming um and that's why I, that's why i ran a gopro i mean the gopro saved my ass a lot of times it's like self-filming i didn't get the deer on film but i had at least some action to right. tie it together. Uh, 
yeah, self self film is a whole different thing, man. It's 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 tough. I did it for years. I don't know if I can ever do it again. <laughs> it was so brutal, man. I but I like what I used to do for self filming. I would go a lot of hunts without seeing a deer. Yep. Because I wanted to kill a deer on film. That was my goal. Like the last couple of years, I was self filming. I wasn't shooting unless it was on film. And I would set up in spots that I know I can film the deer without getting busted, and it necessarily wasn't the best spot. Right. <laughs> like I would like. I would set up on a field edge knowing that my camera just has to be pointed towards the field. Right. Knowing that I probably shouldn't be sitting there, but if the deer does come out, I know I'll get it on film. Exactly. It's just, it's just what you want to do with it. You know, if you like in your perspective, you're not doing it for anything other than yourself or your YouTube right. or anything. And you have the deer at the taxidermist. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, would rather have a two second clip of a deer running by or, I ran into that issue like you I was passing deer not getting not shooting deer because I was trying to get everything on film now this was three years ago probably now and I got so pissed off like it was just a doe like I finally got the deer I I think I passed nine deer nine doe that morning on the first morning and finally this that evening sit I got one in frame everything it all worked out I never hit record Okay. I mean, I, I, it was a perfect shot. I fall everything. It was, it was, it couldn't have been any better. And yeah. I got so mad. I get, I never took a camera in the woods for almost three years. Yeah. And then I just told myself, I'm just never, I'm never missing an opportunity at a deer. No. And that's why I'm like, oh, well, I just need to throw GoPro that way. I at least get some, some kind of action, I guess. Yeah. But yeah, it's, how i mean you said you sell film how would you say like beginners is there any like tips i mean filming in general any kind of photography filming tips because i'm still pretty i grew up in a photography family and my sister kind of is in photography now my grandpa was a photographer but the videography is is still new to me any tips um for for entry level entry level um depends what you want to do with it i mean if you want to just do it for yourself or um, a youtube channel um, just educate yourself um i can tell you what i do um but how i learned was just watching youtube videos right talking to guys who've done it and then i kind of learned how to do what i do now from just making so many mistakes like you said with with the deer hitting like the big buck that i shot in ohio that i didn't recover i double punched the record so i have no footage of that I self-filmed that. I learned that now. So yeah. now I'm very, I watch what I'm doing. Yeah. You just, you got to make mistakes and don't be too hard on yourself when you're getting into it because you're not, you're not there yet. You're starting. You're just starting. I was there. Everyone was there. Um, don't take it too seriously. Don't take yourself too seriously. Don't let it ruin your hunting because it doesn't ruin mine. But I know guys who got into filming like friends of mine and like when they started they they were like they had to stop filming because it was ruining their hunting experience you know it, it took it, it wasn't for them you know what it i mean it wasn't so, fun anymore yeah and yeah. my the number one piece of advice i can give you for starting or getting out don't buy the most expensive stuff because if you don't like it you're out that money right that's exactly what i did i didn't buy like i mean i i should have probably bought a little bit better of stuff but I bought entry level things because I was like, okay, and now if I can get pissed off again and don't want to take this back in the woods, I'm not gonna be out that much. I mean, I'm I'm sure you can resell. I'm resell, yeah. but at the same point, 
like you said, you don't want to be out. They, they make entry level stuff for yeah. that reason. Like you know? If you want to get into bow hunting, you don't need a Matthews phase four your first no. time. No. You know, you might not like it and it, it, just work with you. Yeah. I mean, the first camera I started, I've only been filming for four years. The first camera I used was my wife's Canon, like digital camera she got at work. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to start filming my hunts just for, I think it's cool. I see people doing it. And I brought it out on a, I didn't even know what a fluid head was on my camera arm. And I'm like trying to, I like duct tape. It was a mess. <laughs> it was horrible, you know, but I was like, I actually really like this. This is yeah. fun. So then I went and bought my own camera and then right. kept going up and up as I got more skill. Cause each camera is set for, you know, your skill level you right. know, and what you could deal with in the woods. And um, I wouldn't go mirrorless or DSLR your first camera if you're filming um, because that takes two hands to mm -hmm. get on film. I would go with a handy cam or Canon. Sony. they sell some pretty good budget friendly video cameras. Yeah, that's actually what I got. I just got a handy cam with uh, a remote. Yeah, that I attach. I just I literally just zip tied it to my handle. And I mean, like I said, I should have definitely I'm, I probably still will upgrade a little bit just because I'm not I I am going to stick with it. I know that now I had way too much fun filming last year. <laughs> and I mean, yeah. I didn't get any kills on film. My dough, I was literally it was I like to shoot my dough early, get it out of the way just for. Yeah, just mainly for like knock the rust off, you know. Yep. I, mean, I don't care about people shooting dough whenever they want to shoot them, but I need that confidence. <laughs> I was telling Jake Bush that I was when I was hanging. I was like, I was like, man, I don't know how you go out open a day and shoot like a one eighty every year. I was like, I got to shoot my dough first. To yeah, know I have to. I have. <laughs> I mean, I, it, I don't think I, I think maybe one year out of the last like four or five bucks I've shot, I haven't shot a dough first, and that was yeah. just dumb, dumb luck, I think. But yeah. I mean, I was literally setting up my camera arm and she came trotting down through the woods and just like looked at me at like 10 yards and I'm holding my camera arm. And I'm in my, I had everything set up besides my camera arm and yeah. I'm holding it with my knee and yeah. I grabbed my bow and I'm like, ah, it was like the first doe I had in range that year. It was the yeah. second week of season. I was only seeing bucks that year. <laughs> this, this year, like it was just either a very small scrub buck or a shooter buck just out of, you know, out of range. Yeah. And I was like, all right, I just got to pull, I just got to punch it. Yeah. And I'm like, well, what am I doing? I'm like, I didn't, I had the, I had the camera here. I'm like, yeah. but it just, it, the, the hunting, the hunter came out of me. And, but I mean, I just, I got a lot of pretty decent footage for not killing deer on film. Yeah. And like, there's two, two or three different night, evenings where I, I got pretty good footage of small bucks and I'm just like, man, it just had way too much fun doing it. And like, yeah. I'm already to the point now where I'm like, Hey, can I like ask my buddies this year? Hey, can I, you guys want to go Turkey hunting? Like, I want to film. Yeah. Like, I just want to film other people now. Yeah. I, that's what I, I kind of, I like self filming, but I've always wanted to kind of film other people. It's just yeah. so where I'm at. It's just so hard. There's just not a lot of, a lot of people that, yeah. or willing i guess you could say and i'm not no i'm not gonna i can't i'm not gonna do like what you guys you know up uproot yeah and and i'm not quite there so i'm not i'm not gonna invest that kind of move yet but yeah that's what that's why like when i was with when we were doing full draw assassins i like we stopped self-filming because it i do guys who self-film and kill deer consistently self-filming like Corey. Our marketing director, he's killed some 
really nice deer self-filming. He's very talented self-filming. The guys who could do that are just they're a different breed, man. That's hard. It's the so patience they have. I mean, discipline and patience. For sure. So we just we started just filming each other, and that's how I started like in filming other guys. That's how I really got addicted to that. Um, but yeah, for, if you can get in with anyone who would let you film them, I mean, that's the that's a, for anyone who's listening. That's a great way to learn too. So now the pressure of hunting's off for you, right. and you just start off filming, and then you can incorporate that into your self filming. And as for photography, I think you asked about that. Um, best advice for photography is just take pictures of everything all the time. <laughs> like yeah. go out there, take pictures of everything. It doesn't have to be hunting. Go go to the park and take pictures of birds. Just take pictures, go back, be like, ah, that one looks like shit. That one doesn't look good. How can I make that look better? Go on YouTube. All right. Why does my picture look like this? Yeah. You know, and totally and right there. Do it again. Do it again. Then you start to learn your camera and you 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 learn the ins and outs of it. And then you learn your eye. You have your own eye and what you see and what looks good for you to take a picture of. And that will come over time. Yeah, I was I I did that. Like I said, my, my grandfather was a photographer uh in Daytona for the, oh, sweet. Uh, for a paper and for the speedway. Yeah, so cool. like I said, it was it was in my blood growing up. My sister did she does uh like senior pictures and and weddings and stuff like that on on the side, but it's always been in our family. I mean, there's, awesome. there's cameras everywhere in my sister's house, my grandparents' house. They always had them displayed and that was one thing that I did a lot and still do. I just, I would take like one or two pictures of something and then mm -hmm. look at it and be like, yeah, it wasn't good. And then I've yeah. seen these guys are just like, they're like taking 50 pictures of something and just to find that one good one. Oh, I do. So, I mean, after we do like a, like a video shoot or photo shoot, I mean, especially a photo, like a photo and they're not even photo shoots. I mean, we don't, everything we do is pretty like 99.9% .9 candid. Everything we get is in the field. Nothing's nothing's planned. Yeah, nothing's staged. So, what I have to do in a situation like that, and that's that's the type of photography I like and videography I like. I love in the field. Everything you've seen, like the pictures you've seen of Jake Bush, that's him doing his thing, and I'm not interrupting him. I'm just doing my job. I'll take that. I'll take 200 pictures in like an hour of like four different scenes, and then I'll take one that I that looks good. Right. So that's like another thing, like like what you just said for guys that are starting to take a lot of pictures, a lot, burn those SD cards. And that's the way you learn because you'll start to realize why that one looks good. But the one before that and the one after don't look good, but it's the same scene. What did I, what happened in that picture that I did right that made that look good? Right. See, I, I, I've done that. Like I've, I've taken pictures and I, I've started to do it where I've taken more and more and more and more of almost the same thing. And I'll be going through, and then I've learned that I'll narrow it down to like a handful, and then I'll show my wife, and she's like, "They're all the same picture." I'm like, "No, they're not." Yeah, yeah. Like, look at this. Look at that. Look at this. She's like, "That's." I'm, I don't see any of that. They all look skin exactly. tone in that one. That one's yeah. a little different. Yeah. She's like, "They all look exactly the same." I'm like, "No, yeah. no, no." Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's like you said. I guess just take pictures of everything. I that's something I I, I need to do because I I'm in the woods a lot. And yeah. I'm always just thinking deer, 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 you know, yeah. turkey, you know, stuff I'm hunting. Yeah. But I guess this is the best time of year probably to get out. Everything's starting to grow the next couple of months. You know, your photo opportunities are, you know, I guess, everywhere. Yeah. I, 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 I like 
for like you had it in your family. I have zero background in photography and filming. None of yeah, my. That's, that's what I, I was going to ask you. How'd you, if you had any background in it, and how'd you get into it? If you you know if you didn't have any background, it is just was a hobby that you know you just fell in love with. It wasn't even a hobby. It was something I kind of just just did. Um, this is kind of messed up to say this, but COVID like like that pandemic was probably one of the best things that ever happened to me long term because that's when i really found my love for photography and videography because that's when we we were all off work i live near philadelphia so philadelphia was shut down it was yeah. you weren't working um so i was off for like six months seven months and it was all during the spring and right this time right mm -hmm. this year yeah. so i was like dude let's go out to ohio and scout this is before we went out there to hunt me and my buddy and I was just on YouTube every day watching videos. Um, and this is how I got into editing. Uh, I would just, I downloaded the cheap software and I just started messing with stuff. So I was like, I need footage. I need something. So let's go to Ohio with Scout. I'll take a bunch of pictures of you. He didn't want to do, I just, he was my subject. And he was one of my best friends. And I took pictures of him, filmed him, couldn't wait to get home, put it in my computer. And I would spend 15 to 16 hours a day for months. Just because on my computer, I look, I don't realize that it's that long. I'm just editing stuff yeah. uh, and just learning and learning and learning because I had all that time. Because I was a union carpenter. So when I got home from work, when I did that, I was tired. I, I did a little, I did editing and stuff, but I didn't have my full um, energy into it. So being off for that long, man, I, I really fell in love with, with what really got me going was seeing the progress seeing me getting better that kept pushing me be like okay i'm doing something right and then keep going doing something right and even till this day i i, I was just today i was looking at photos from earlier in the year this year and i'm like wow okay i definitely got better from october to the pictures i took in december right like still do that and i'm always going to do that because mm -hmm. i don't ever get complacent because you're never going to grow in anything you do but yeah, that's how I, I really fell in love with it. And then I got my first like DSLR camera in that time frame. Took that stimulus money, so COVID would help me again. Bought us bought a DSLR camera, um, an upgrade from my wife's little Canon that she had, and that's when it really kind of took off because I was able to do things that I wanted to do that, with a camera that I wasn't able to do with the one I had before. Um, but yeah, that's that's how I got in it. No background, um, hundred percent self taught. Um, I wasn't really around. I wasn't around anyone who filmed, so I, it was just me. <laughs> I just, I yeah, just that's, that's kind of how it was. Like I said, I mean, I have family background, but my personal stuff, I don't have ba any background. Like, yeah. If you knew me outside outside of this, I'm one of the least technical person you're, you know, you're going to run into. Yeah. And for me to even start a podcast was brand new and, and out of my comfort zone and it was it's something that i i thought was a great way just to off season stuff and yeah. obviously i'm going to continue to do it through the season and yeah. and stuff like that but i've already seen from like episode one to i mean at the very beginning to just how much more how much i've, I've grown and it's only been a couple months yeah and, and that's something that i think in the off season that i'm going to try to do is like you said, I need to go out and just find a subject to to focus on and just try to edit videos and make videos that aren't maybe deer, 
That way, when it comes down to making my hunting videos, because like I, you, you know, they're, they're just my personal videos. They're not, I'm never trying to make them go crazy big, but it's something that yeah. I never thought of to do. You know, I've always that's thought, how you start. Make videos that you're never even going to use. I mean, yeah. I still today like I'll make videos that we're never going to use just because I want to try new things out just to practice. It doesn't have to be used or anything like that. And that's why, like you said, finding a subject, like if it wasn't for my, my buddy, Kenny, I don't think I'd be sitting doing what I'm doing because I, if I didn't have a subject to film or take pictures of, I, I would have probably lost interest really quick. Right. That's kind of where I'm, I'm not losing interest, but that's where I'm at with, uh, I just, when I take a camera out or, or, you know, I'm out recording something, it's just me walking mm -hmm. willy nilly and, yeah, I've never been one to like. Not that I'm against being on camera, I just, for some reason, I just, I'd much rather. I feel more comfortable behind the camera. I don't, yeah. I don't know why. Just how, how it always was. I don't know. Maybe it was because I had a lens, <laughs> a lens in my face my entire life growing up. Yeah, I mean, I was the same way with full draw assassins. I was in front of the camera and behind the camera, and I took behind the camera any day of the week. <laughs> I mean. Yeah. It's different. I mean, it, it, having a camera in your face, especially even, even when you're filming yourself, you feel weird talking to yourself. You know, yeah. it's definitely something to get used to. Yeah, especially but, the first few times you hear yourself. Like, oh, yeah. Even, even seeing yourself and like hearing yourself, I'm like, this isn't what I sound like. I yeah. look like that when I talk. I'm like, maybe it's just maybe I just hear it different. My wife's like, no, that's that's what. No, she <laughs> it's weird, man. It's it really. Is. I remember like the first time I ever heard my voice as a kid, like on an answering machine. I I, I just remember I'm like, who was that? Like, that was <laughs> yeah. you. I'm like, yeah. yeah. It's definitely different, man. Yes, it is. Well, I appreciate Derek. You know, I appreciate you coming on, sharing some uh, some knowledge, definitely experiences, you know, how you how you got into you know another a dream job. <laughs> I mean, I guess yeah, it's really I mean, what it is. I'm just I'm really blessed, dude. I uh I worked hard and, and focused hard. on one thing and and you know you got to got to where you're at and working with the guys that you're working with and the company you're working with i mean i think you're in very yeah, that, very good company that's the probably the best blessing is i could work in the hunting industry filming and taking pictures of anybody like i i couldn't but if i could i mean it it probably wouldn't be as good as where i'm at now so right. being being in the industry and doing what i'm doing with the camera which i set out to do and i love doing is one thing but doing it who i'm doing it with that is the reason why i feel so blessed I yeah mean, guys are just top notch from from the top all the way to the bottom uh just it's yeah, there's, there's it's not it doesn't seem like there's a uh a weak a weak link in that entire you know supply chain from from like you said from head to toe yeah it's it, we all work well solid and uh, we spent, I mean, we spent three months together sleeping in the same house, you know, I mean, and no one, not, I don't, not one time someone argued, not one time someone got mad. It was just all smiles and laughs, even if we didn't kill anything. And then when someone kills something, it's like, we're all little kids again, you know, yeah. and it's, you kind of got to sit back and enjoy how blessed we all are. Yep. And then we all are just, especially, you know, just, just to be able to go out and hunt in general. I mean, so yeah. that's what. I, I I run into that a lot when I'm I'm having bad you know bad spell in the season. I get down on myself and beat myself yep. up. And I was doing it this year. I'm not gonna lie. Two days yep. before that, I, I had to sit down in the stand and just kind of earn my saddle and 
I was like, I had to remember why I was out there and that I was, yeah. some people don't get honors lucky to be able to come out there, whether it's financial health, you know, whatever it is, you know, yeah. and just once I kind of did that and reset, I was blessed two days later with the biggest buck of my life. So yeah. it's just, it's, it's funny how it works, whether it's, it's a buck or, or you, you know, like you said, how you, everything just fell into line with, you know, running into this person, that person, COVID, and then here you are with Latitude. And yeah, it's crazy. But uh, Derek, if anybody wants to follow along with you or Latitude in this upcoming year, you know, follow you know you guys along. Where can they do that at? Um, so you can follow Latitude Outdoors on latitudeoutdoors.com or Latitude Outdoors Instagram, Facebook, and uh, YouTube. Uh, we got a web series that we're that that's what we've been talking about this whole time, filming them. Um, it's for a show that's coming out this late early summer. Um, it's going to be on YouTube, uh, Carbon TV, possibly Amazon Prime. Um, it's going to be a really good time. You guys are not going to not regret watching that. It's going to be fun. Um, it's, it was a fun time. It was a blast, honey. I had the best season of my life doing what I was doing with these guys. Just to, just because of the experiences we all had in the woods, it was pretty neat. So. Keep an eye out for that. And uh, for me personally, you could follow me at uh, DRock Create Derek Bradis on uh, Instagram and uh, see the backside of the show. Um, some stuff I'll be posting on there. Awesome. Well, yeah, Derek, again, I, uh, I appreciate you coming in, coming on and, and, and joining us and sharing some experiences again. And uh, thanks for tuning in for another episode of Origins of the Hunt podcast. And remember, guys, never stop learning.